Hey, everybody. Welcome to Detox Podcast. I'm Denise Walker, your host, and this is episode number 37. It's called Lesson One, and I'm really excited to get into it. Uh, This is a really exciting time in my life right now. I am just filled with passion and drive and forward momentum. I know last episode I was feeling a little glum, pretty low mood, lots of stress, but since then, everything has just come up, Denise. Like, it's just, everything's in order, my ducks are in a row, things are going smoothly, and the creativity is flowing. Pick Your Poison Volume 2 ebook is available for pre-order. You can go to Amazon and search it up, and it'll be there for you to pre-order. It launches that and the paperback on April 20th. We're getting so close. I cannot wait to share this with you. Um, There's some good shit in this book. Um, Yeah, the book launch, April 20th. I'm getting really excited for. And I had this this nightmare last night that I changed the venue at the last minute without telling anybody. And only my parents and, like, some of my close friends showed up. And it was really weird and everybody was mad at me for not telling me that the venue changed and I was really upset that nobody showed up. And every time I opened my book to read poetry from it, I didn't recognize the poems and they were really convoluted and I kept tripping over my words and what was like skipping lines. And it was was just a mess. And it was was so funny because usually I don't dream like so on point, you know? But it's going to be amazing. I have no doubts in my mind that it's just going to be a really awesome, fun night. I hope to see you there. Uh, You can get tickets. They're free. It's just like a registration type thing. And you get entered into an adore prize on eventbrite.com. It's Pick Your Poison, Volume 2, Book Launch. Denise Walker, of course. Uh, Hope to see you there. And yeah, let's... Let's get this thing going. I'm excited. It's just a tiny poem. It's got two lines. It's called Lesson One. And here it is. Start killing the thing that's killing you. That's it right there. That's the little poem. Start killing the thing that's killing you. And now I have my own version of this and what that was like for me. Uh, But I really wanted to hear what it was like for you. I took to Instagram and asked people to give some input and I was really um, amazed by people's honesty and rawness that they gave to me and I've incorporated it into my list that I call my 13 point plan on how to know you're being murdered from the inside out. My 13-point plan on how to know you're being murdered from the inside out. It's catchy. It rolls right off the tongue, right? Okay. Well, when you are suffering from something as insidious as addiction, there are some really obvious ways to know that it's killing you. Uh, Things like suicidal ideation and suicidal thoughts increase in reckless and really risky behavior, self-harm, uh, and, and things that come from it that are really, really terrible, like the loss of a job, a house, property, your car, your family, your friends. 
big losses. Those are kind of the more glaringly obvious ways to know that you are being killed by something. However, I want to focus, uh, these 13 points are the not so obvious. And so number one is feeling generally unhappy in your life and like a sense of apathy towards everything. It's, it's subtle, but it's definitely there. And that leads us to number two, which is feeling confused and directionless. Not knowing why you're so unhappy. Not knowing why the things that you used to do don't make you as excited or joyful as they used to. Number three uh, was big for me. It's about how your self-talk starts to placate you and dances around the this harmful behaviors that you're doing in order to convince yourself that it's okay or it's not that bad. Uh, and this is what a lot of that alcohol propaganda, like those memes, those like mommy's wine time and um, uh, no champagne, no gain, things like that. They, they trick us into thinking that our consumption is normal even when it is not, even when you are drinking yourself into unconsciousness every night, we are tricked into thinking that it is normal. And the more that happens and the more we talk ourselves out of it, we start comparing ourselves to other people like, oh, look at them. They're having mimosas with lunch. It's okay if I have a mimosa for lunch. And all that comparison makes us feel like it's not that bad because everyone else is doing it. It's not bad. We're okay. But we start trying to fit ourselves into this little corner where we, we're not really looking at exactly how much we're drinking or what it's really doing to us. We only see the kind of the outside stuff that we look at other people and we see just, you know, them at their table at brunch having a mimosa. We don't see what they're doing later that day, what they're doing that night, what they have going on in their lives. So what we're doing is comparing our surface level activities and being like, okay, well, if we're all just operating at the surface level, mimosa level, we're all fine. But deep down, we know that there's something wrong. Number four is you wake up in a negative state. And this can be once a week for you, this could be once a month for you, this could be every day. But once it starts getting more, or I should say, it's gonna be individual. It's gonna be different for, for each of you what is considered like so horrible, but For me, it was every day. I was waking up in this negative state. I was extremely hungover or still drunk from the night before. My head was pounding. My guts hurt. I literally felt like I was going to shit myself like at all hours of the day. And I was just in so much pain and I was like sweating and like had chills and 
it was it's horrible and and even when it wasn't that bad I still had mo- like big moments of brain fog that lasted throughout the day and I couldn't concentrate I couldn't think I couldn't process information as quickly as before you know I'd go to work and I would be doing whatever task I was doing and it would take me longer to process it than normal I would be trying to do something and it would take me so long to like even like grasp what I was doing and that's that wasn't normal for me normally I'm very quick like my my true clean self is quick and I get things and they make sense and they just are right there at the forefront of my brain easily same with memory my memory was shot I couldn't recall things I couldn't remember the order of events, it was just like my whole brain was made of fog and mud. It was, it made me feel stupid and that was horrible. And so number five is your self-talk consists mostly of negatives. That plays into the one before when I, when I felt like I couldn't grasp things, I started to feel stupid. And when you start calling yourself stupid, you start believing it. And you also, you start playing the dangerous game of uh, should-haves. You know the should-haves. Like, I should have slept longer last night. I should have had less to drink. I should have been able to control myself. I should have slept more. I should have drank more water. I I should have packed a healthier lunch. I should have packed a lunch in general. I should be able to do this. Just constantly telling yourself that whatever you did was wrong and bad. You just feel like a failure constantly. Everything you did, you failed at. Whether it was how many hours you slept last night, um, how much you tried to moderate and it didn't work. It's, an, it's not a healthy mindset to be in, to be constantly battering yourself for the things you didn't measure up to. Number six is always apologizing for things that you did or feeling like you always need to apologize for things you may have done but can't remember. That was constant for me. I would I felt like I was walking on eggshells every day. I I was just waiting for someone to say something to me like aren't you going to apologize for what you did or do you remember what you said to me last night or do you remember what you did? Even though I may not have done anything bad, I still felt like I did. Which leads to seven, which is a constant state of shame and guilt. You're feeling so shameful for not being able to control yourself and limit your alcohol intake and texting your ex-boyfriend or uh, just doing bad behaviors. You're just feel so much shame around it. Shame that you, 
you can't operate on this like normal level that you have come to believe that you are not. You look around and you see everybody else is functioning just fine, but but you're failing at it. You're failing at the generalness of life. Like you're not you're not measuring up. That's how you feel anyway. And guilty, guilty from you know the things that you feel like you needed to apologize for. Guilty for um, hiding, which is number eight, is hiding your truths, hiding the darkness inside of you that is driving you towards these things. Perceived or not, it might not be a negative, like you might not have this dark truth inside of you, but it feels like it's a dark truth. And you're scared that people will find out and you're hiding it. You hide your alcohol consumption. You hide uh, the drinks that you're having. You, you hide how you're feeling. I was hiding how hungover I was every single day. I plastered this big smile on my face and I never let people know just how horrible I felt. If they knew it would be over. And number nine is not recognizing yourself your actions and your thoughts. You're speaking, acting, walking around in a fashion that that doesn't belong to you. It doesn't feel like you. You know deep down that there's this like beautiful, perfect version of yourself, but how you're conducting yourself feels so misaligned. And that's a really disorienting thing, and it makes you feel bad. And that leads to 10, which is a feeling of being out of control, not feeling in control. Like there is something, some sort of other force that is moving your limbs, moving your mouth, and working your brain, and you are just along for the nightmare of a ride. The interactions you have with your friends and family, you say horrible things to them that you never thought you would ever say. You hurt the people that you love for no reason. You manipulate, you lie, and that's not you. Eleven is knowing that you can do better, but you're not. Knowing that deep down that there is a part of you that can act in the light, can act in the truth, can live authentically and achieve amazing, beautiful things. But you're not able to get there. You're not able to to move yourself in a way that leads you there. You're trapped. You're stuck. You know that something else exists, but you don't know what it is. You don't know how to get there. And you feel like you might die before you get the chance to see it. Number 12 is anxiety and seeing how it starts to affect your relationships. How everything starts to bubble over into this anxious energy and how it comes in between you and the people that you love and the people that you interact with. How you walk around 
day to day. It all bleeds into each other, right? It all, all of these things, all of these points, all of these, this whole list, everything just builds up into this massive anxiety energy body inside of you that you're, you're just walking around throughout the whole world, through every activity on eggshells and just reacting. You're just reactive to everything. There's no cognizant thought. It's just pure, frantic, emotional energy. Which leads to number 13, which is a feeling of isolation that I think a lot of us are very, very familiar with. It feels like the problems that we are facing, the way that we are, this whole dissonance between our true selves and the people that we've become are, it's the, it's just us. We're alone in it. We're facing these things alone and no one else has ever felt this. No one else could possibly understand and we will be judged harshly and we are bad and we are wrong. And no one sees us who, for who we really are. It's not just a mask, it's an entire freaking stage costume. Professionally tailored to trick people. But it's like we didn't even make it ourselves. One day we just woke up wearing it and we, we can't figure out how to get it off. And there's this beautiful human being inside of it just screaming for people to see it. This soft, fleshy, vulnerable, beautiful thing inside. And it feels like we're being killed. So how do you start killing the thing that's killing you? There are lots of ways. Establishing a routine and being meticulous about it. Addiction in itself is a routine, right? It is a it is a habit. I don't like the word habit because it's like I think it really downplays um, the actions of a, something that you've done over and over and over again. But When you do something over and over and over again, the brain loves it. It gets really comfortable. It starts feeling like this is, this is what we like. It, the brain releases chemicals and the brain gets addicted to those chemicals. And what happens when we don't follow that routine? It freaks out. It produces anxiety and it's like, stop, what are you doing? Bring us back to normal. Bring us back to normal. Don't stop doing that. So when we create a new routine that we can follow, we can settle into that instead. And I'm not saying to pick up another addiction, but there are healthy ways of rewiring the reward pathway. When you go through your day and you... um, 
you get home from work and you you need to come down from your day, typically the answer is you pick up a drink and that soothes you. Uh, but there is a way to enact that response, but in a healthy way, like having a bath. Eventually, this will override. It's really fucking hard. Uh, but a way uh, to tackle it is to personify the addiction. Give it a name. Give it a, a, an entity, like dressed up in your mind. Imagine it as like this gremlin or a witch or something like a monster that you are battling against. It gives you something to fight against. It makes it tangible and real and just like you're not battling yourself. You're battling this thing that is inside of you and we're going to kill it. We're going to kill it dead before it can kill us. And ask for help. My God, I know that that's like something you've heard 100 million times. And we're just programmed to try to do everything ourselves. But honestly, it what a relief to have someone else help you up, give you direction, give you, give you advice. And the next step I would say is to take the advice, take the help, ask for it, but also receive it. It's one thing to say, I need help, but to follow through is what is the magic that makes it happen. You know, I've been looking at my stats here on my podcast. I started this in July and uh, of 2018. And as I'm saying this, it's April 2019 now. So less than a year. And it was kind of like steady listeners... Um, until January. And then I had a 700% increase in listeners in January. And then after January, it dropped back down to the same amount that I had before. Maybe less, actually. Uh, I don't know why. The only thing that I can speculate at, really, is New Year's resolutions to cut down on alcohol consumption, or stop drinking altogether. And once January is over, the, uh, the drive, the new start energy has kind of dissipated. And you know what? That's the timeline that was for me. January is when Bell Let's Talk Day was, and that's when I first admitted that I had an issue, and I, I put it out there for the world to see. I, I, I took off the mask. Unzip the costume a little bit. And it was terrifying. It was really, really, really terrifying. And it sent me into a really emotional state. But I didn't get sober right then. You know, like I put it out there and like it wasn't an overnight process. I didn't get sober just then and there. It wasn't until around this time of year, March and April, is when I got sober. March was the first time I started to string together like five, seven, 12 days at a time when previously the most I could ever do was one or two. April 20th is my sober date. And I don't know what it is about this time of year. I don't know if it's the sun in Aries <laughs> or if it's springtime or what. 
but I always have a massive, massive amount of drive at this time of year. And I use it, I can't help but use it. It's almost impossible to ignore. And I just push and I get shit accomplished. And right now, for the first time, I have actually been consistently like going and exercising. I've started running coaching and I'm part of the Sober Saturdays yoga challenge and I've been going to yoga every single day. When that's usually, I can't do that. (laughs) So I'm using this energy right now to get that going and hopefully I will stay on that trajectory because it is so good for me. So what I'm saying is that perhaps your energy comes to you at this time of year as well and it's okay that if if January didn't come to fruition, but we get chances over and over and over again, these little bursts of momentum and motivation. Take those. Take advantage of them. Use them to implement amazing small shifts into your life because the small shifts make massive change. And trying to do massive change all at once always backfires on me. Always. It's like... <laughs> I take on way too much at once and it just folds like a house of cards. So I know for myself that it has to be one card at a time. And I have to master that card before I add another one. It has to be strong. It has to be have a good foundation before we can start adding on top of it. I know that. You got to do what's right for you. Don't look around. Don't see me and being like, oh, this girl is sober and she's doing exercise and she's got this business and oh my God, she's got everything. How does she do it? Because it took me a while to build this up. I had to do it really slowly and I had those pressures too when I looked around and I saw people in the beginning um, who were like trying to do it all. And I was like, holy shit, like... And they were always trying to, I felt pressured really actually by them asking, like telling me like, oh, Denise, like you should try like putting exercise into your life. That will just be like, it would be so good for your recovery. Well, you know what? (laughs) I just knew that it wouldn't. And a lot of those people aren't sober now. And I'm not saying that what they were doing was wrong, but who knows? Maybe they did take on too much. You have to do what's right for you. If you feel resistance and you know in your heart that it's it's not going to work, follow that. Follow your intuition, please. It'll lead you on the right path, I swear. Okay, I hope this has been helpful because lesson number one is start killing the thing that is killing you. That's got. That's where you gotta start. Okay, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you at the book launch. Oh, welcome to spring. It's gonna be amazing. Until next time. <laughs>